The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. I'm here with Jean Marks, and we're back with another episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. Yay. Welcome, Elizabeth. <laughs> we're happy to be here. I know we're talking about books today. Yes. One of my favorite topics, dogs and books. Yes. We're, we're going gonna to talk, talk business books. We're going to talk business books. Boy, that's all we should talk about, other books. I've mean, like, <laughs> got a lot of other books to talk about, but you know, this is fine. This is fine. podcast, Jean. I'm telling you. What's so, Jean watching and reading Yeah, right I'm reading a good one now, but okay. <laughs> so if you do want to hear about what Jean is watching and reading, then listen through the to the end and we will discuss that. But in the next segment, we're going to talk about Great books for small business owners to read to further their acumen in, in running their businesses or even starting a business. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers with property, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Check out The Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. Okay, I'm going to jump in first with a book that I recently read that I loved. And it doesn't really have anything to do with owning or running a business. It has to do with how you work. So again, the topic is what are your favorite go-to books for small business owners? Good. This book is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. If you're not interested in reading it, I'm just going to link to a podcast that he was on recently where they kind of summarize the book. It was so good. So Cal's thinking is that most people spend time in a state of frenetic shallowness, as he calls it. And when you do, while you're working, so you're like checking email, the phone's ringing, you're like scrolling through your phone, you're talking to your coworker, um, you're doing an Excel spreadsheet, but you also have like Facebook open to see what's happening on your business page. And when you do that, you're permanently reducing your capacity to perform deep work. And what deep work is, We've all experienced this. It's, it's, in other words, it's flow. It's like when you're sitting there, Gene, this probably happens to you when you're writing in the morning. You just get into that state where you're totally focused on what you're doing. And we don't do that that often. Mm, it's true. impossible to do it in my office. As you've right. seen, we have like an open office space. But as a business owner, you're working from home or you're in an office, you might have your own office. So it will be easier to do this. And I loved it. He gives so many tips for getting over that, what he calls the state of frenetic shallowness that really keeps you from being able to think about your business objectively and get big projects done. And we talk about this all the time, that business owners are constantly in the weeds. They're responding to emails. They're in their CRM system. Mm -hmm. And then they switch to another task. I feel like, Gene, you're a really good example of this because you really batch things. Like if you're in your CRM, you're just in your CRM. I do, yeah. If you're doing some strategic thinking, you're doing strategic thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly, um, that's right. I mean, listen, I mean, there are some books that can help you do that. Um, there, there are therapies that can help you do it. There are classes that you yeah. can help you do that. But it really is important to learn. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, when you're running a business, um, one of the biggest challenges that, that I have uh, and that most of my clients have is we're, we've got a lot of balls in the air. And it's very easy to get distracted and it's very easy to get pulled in different directions and you got to get stuff done. So this book will really, again, it's called 
deep work and we'll link it in the show notes. It really explains why you want to get into that state and how to do it. And he has done a lot of studies and he claims that being able to concentrate intensely is a skill that actually must be trained. You don't just inherently have it. You actually have to like work that muscle a lot. So if you're sitting here listening to this podcast episode and you're updating an Excel spreadsheet while also like checking your emails, this book is for you. So again, it's Deep Work by Cal Newport. So that is book number one. Gene, what's your book? So, and we're going to keep talking about, because I have, I have a lot of books that I do um, want to share with you um, today, but I'm going to start with um, a really old school book when people talk about um, you know, what is really, you know, for, from a business standpoint, particularly from a small business. And um, this book is called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Have you ever heard of The E-Myth? No. Wow, that's that. It's amazing. The E Myth is an iconic book. It's been it's probably thirty years old at this point. Michael Gerber um, wrote it. It was a big, big bestseller uh, when he wrote it, and it still continues to be a big bestseller. And the E Myth should be read by anybody looking to start a business, but more importantly, should be read by anybody running an existing business because all the lessons in the E Myth still are very, very relevant today. And the lesson basically says this: is that when you're running a business, um, you need to be running it so that it can run on its own. Without you. Without you. Okay. And what Gerber, he gives, he cites examples of businesses that have done this well and businesses that have not done this well. Um, he, For example, uh, a McDonald's franchise pretty much has, it, it has the processes, the policies, you know, everything in place that even if a manager quits, you can insert another manager and play, things still run on, right? You've got everything there. You should be able to, as a business owner, be able to remove yourself from your business really for weeks at a time and still have the confidence that you've got an organizational structure. <laughs> My business is the opposite of the e-myth. And, and it's true. And I, and I, I use it. I recently reread this book and I was saying to myself, like, geez, I am no, I've been running this business now for 24 years and I am just nowhere near where, where Gerber, you know, says that I so should what be. what could you do differently? So it's a really good, it's a really good question. Um, part of it is psychologically, like I have to be um, ready psychologically to, to be more hands off with my business. Do you think that's because of your huge ego? You think only it, it you is it's it? a little bit of micromanager. It is a bit of an ego thing. It's also a bit of a micromanagement thing. It's also a bit of a um, laziness thing. Because to really build, I would have to build an organization where I'm bringing on more people. Um, and giving them responsibilities and then having processes in place and uh, having a team there. That's and the thing, the process is really difficult to sit down and think, okay, what's actually the best way to do this? Correct. And, and getting the right people in place to actually execute. Abs- and then dealing with the people and then dealing with, I'm going to talk about another book about dealing with people, but this is a, um, um, it's, it's something like I look at it and I'm like, you know, I'm doing fine the way my business is right now. I, I can't be bothered. Happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. It's good. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that either, right? But I'm just saying, like, if I the problem with my business is that um, if I go out and get hit by a bus tomorrow, my business is worth nothing. I mean, it's we don't have any processes in place. We don't have any infrastructure. We don't have any um, long term. I mean, I've, I've I've generated cash from my business, which I've saved, and that's fine. But from a long term value standpoint, it's not something I can somebody else can just take over and then just start so running it. Let's say 
you wanted to do that, mm. what would be your first step? Would you have to hire someone? I would. I would need to hire. I mean, I have mostly contractors in my business and a few employees. So I would have to start, you know, first of all, turning some of those contractors into employees for starters. Um, I think I would have to have more brick and mortar. We have a virtual business and I think we have to turn into something more brick and mortar. Um, and then I would need to be hiring people at a more of a management level to work out slowly. I mean, you know, one at a time. This would be like a five or a 10 year process yeah. to do. Corey, what do you mean? I know that's well, true. And he's one of my employees and he is there and I agree with that, but it's just a different outlook that we have. It's yeah. not, um, it's just, it, it's not a structured business like a Michael Gerber, you know, recommends in the E-Myth. And I, to me, I think his advice and his path and his observation about how to run a business, that is ultimately what your business should be. It should stand on its own, run on its own, and then be an asset that you can turn around and sell to somebody. It's funny. I was just going to say, could like a coffee shop do this? But honestly, McDonald's does it. It so. does. Yeah, it's exactly right. And, and I think, you know, I was, in, um, I was in New York City yesterday and I was at this diner. It was called Malibu Diner on 23rd Street. It was yep. Yep, just there. great. And, um, and I was thinking like this, this diner, I know I actually like did a, a, I was looking at it. It's just a coffee shop kind of yeah. diner in New York. It's been around for decades. It's like the forties, you know, it's been around and it's had multiple management, you know, ownership changed over the time. But if you go and you buy a diner like that, there's a diner with a brand, a location, a lease, employees are there, equipment is there, the menu's yeah. there, the whatever, you're pretty much picking it up. And now you, obviously you can improve on it, but that diner has value, <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That is an asset that you can sell just as an operating entity. It is. If they probably don't own the building. Yeah, but they are, hopefully I don't know what their situation is, but you know, hopefully they have a lease or whatever. But they they are a you know they are and they have a brand and and, and they're known in the community and yeah. um and they're a great diner. Uh, it just it's just a perfect example. Just a little business, little coffee shop in New York or whatever that they followed the E myth. You know, they yeah. have built an operation that is sustainable over a longer okay. period of time and and valuable. So. The e-myth. Okay, moving on to book number three. I really love this book. It's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Oh, I love that book. So a lot of people operate under the myth that you're just born talented and really talented people should just open businesses. And because they're so talented, the business <clears throat> will just thrive. And you're probably sitting there thinking, I don't think that, but honestly, we all kind of think that some people are just born like that way. But Angela Duckworth argues that the most successful business owners have grit and grit is defined by passion and persistence. Now, I'm sure you see this. With I do. Your clients. Now, grit is been so Angela Duckworth is a uh, professor. I think she's a pen. She might be she's a social scientist. So science. Yeah, I think she's, she's a pen. pen but um, and this book was a big bestseller, and it was a um, it, it took over. It, it it was not as popular in the business world as I thought it should be. It was more popular among educators mm -hmm. um, because the idea was um, why do some kids succeed while others fail. Yeah. In school or don't at the same like price. Really smart, like high <clears throat> IQ kids, like Correct. some of them end up being DC students. Correct. When the ones who have lower IQs, I don't even know if IQ is like a good. It's not. And I, uh, the best example I can give is my, my sister who, you know, I love dearly, but my sister like me, you know, she's a, she's above average intelligence. She's a doctor. She's a family doc in Philadelphia. She has a, you know, a very thriving practice there. Um, but this, she's not like, believe me, she's not breaking any IQ <laughs> records. <laughs> 
I'm like, neither am I. I mean, I was just like, she's, you know, but you know, she is somebody, I, she went to Muhlenberg college and then she went to medical school after that. And she, everything in her life, she had to fight for like her grades were just on the borderline, you know, of getting in and she would have to go and interview and fight and write and yell and scream. And then even the medical school, the same thing. And then even like, and, and because she had grit. She really yeah. did. She's like, you know what? I've got, I've, I've enough intelligence to at least get me on the field. Yeah. But now I, if I'm going to get somewhere, I don't have enough natural ability to hit home runs. Yeah. I've got to figure out other ways that I can move ahead in my, you know, in my, in my field of expertise. She has grit. You know that movie, Rudy? Yeah. Okay. So we, I feel like we might've talked. No, I don't think no, we've we never talked about, about Rudy. podcast. No. But I think when people hear grit, <clears throat> they think about Rudy and he, you know, he wanted to go to Notre Dame. I mean, everyone's seen this movie, but I'm going to recap it for mm-hmm. the few people who haven't. He wanted to go to Notre Dame and play football. He was like an average football player. He was a below average student. So he went to community college for two years and then he transferred and then he was a walk on. I think when people hear grit, they think like, oh, I'm going to have to pull a Rudy. Like he went to such crazy extremes. Yeah. yeah. But it's really not. And what Angela Duckworth talks about is it's just persistence. It is. It's just getting up and working at whatever your goal is, even if it's just a little bit every day. And here's the reality of life is that even if you have grit and you've got some level of intelligence, you never feel like you're getting... Yeah. Getting it all. You never, you know, it's just, you know, it's like you never get the, the ring or the prize or whatever. No one but feels like a success. No one feels like a success. I mean, no one, everybody has frustrations and everybody feels like they're just not getting still where they want to get yeah. to. Um, but it's the people with grit that still keep pushing on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that is a big difference between, uh, I think people that are successful business owners and entrepreneurs and people that just, they blame others or they, you know, they're just, yeah. they're just not, they come up with excuses for stuff. People with now, grit get stuff done. Do you have, I'm putting you on the spot, but mm-hmm. do you have any clients that you think like that's someone that just has a lot of grit and that's why their business is succeeding. Do you yeah. Have any examples like that. Yeah. So um, I've, I've actually, I, I come to mind one person who runs, he's, he's a construction company and um, he's this, this guy is like, he started his company right out of college and, um, and I've been working with him now, I guess for about six or seven years. So he's like in his early thirties now. He, um, he started a house, a restoration business. So he didn't have like any capital, any whatever, but he loves working with his hands and wanted to be on his own when he graduated, didn't want to take a job somewhere else. And what he did is, is he scraped up enough money to buy a house in West Philadelphia, um, and, and fixed it up and restored it and flipped it and made some money from doing that. And then from the profits that he made, he turned around and he did more. Now it's a young guy. He met a, a bunch of challenges along the way. People don't want to lend a young kid money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't want to, you know, how am I going to trust this guy to do whatever? Bet on real estate. <laughs> yeah. And he's had so many people, I mean, he's told me, you know, lie to him, cheat him, steal from him, employees that didn't show up and, you know, uh, you know, it supplies that didn't work and whatever, but he just keeps, and he's built a business now. He has something like 25 employees now wow. in this restaurant but he's done really, really well at what he does. And he is a, um, just a perfect example. And again, nothing on him, but this, he didn't go to like some Ivy League college. He wasn't some academic genius with a high IQ. Yeah. He just, and I meet a lot of people like that in life where they own businesses or they're successful in companies that um, they're like VP of sales somewhere or, you know, VP of HR. And, you know, they went to a decent college or maybe not even college at all, but they just got to where they are because they came to work every day and they yeah. worked hard and they, they showed that grit. Okay. So that's Angela Duckworth's 
book grit, which is our third recommendation. So, Gene, you have our fourth recommendation. Yes. So, um, I love this. Another old school book, but you know what? These are books that um, they never they they pass the town. We should do another podcast on our recommended books from like the past year. Okay. That would be an interesting one yeah. to do. But but all time we're talking about this one book is called Influence: The Psychology of Persuasion. Book. Right. I love. So this I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this guy's last name because Cialdini. Cialdini. Yeah. Robert, Cialdini Robert Cialdini is his name. Right. It is the it is the the book to read if you're um, if you want to learn more about negotiation, because it is all about the in the psychology behind, um, you know, influencing other people to do what you want to do. And by the way, this goes our whole lives are nothing but negotiation. I mean, you buy a sandwich, you're negotiating for it. You're you you're raising kids, you're yeah. dealing with people in life. It's not just business. But as we all know, in business, we're negotiating all day long with all these different people. Now, do you use anything <clears throat> from this book on your kids? So I don't really, I've read the book like a couple of times. <laughs> so I don't know if I consciously am doing this, yeah. but I've absorbed some of the things that he's taught you. He's taught you about listening techniques. He's taught you in, in offering, you know, certain advice sort of techniques he's given. He talks about the different techniques of uh, when you're one-on-one -on -one negotiating, when, when you're with a group as well, um, you know, how to take um, you know, control of a conversation, certain words to use. Just, um, you know, and I, I'd love to go into more detail about the book, but not all of the facts yeah, maybe, have come to maybe mind. Maybe we should, actually, because <clears> we, we had one of our writers um, was writing an ebook for us. Mm. And I think it's called Keep Your Customers Coming Back for More. Mm. And he interviewed Robert Cialdini for it and he got great insights from him. So maybe we should have that writer on and we can talk. I about think that'd be great. I think the other fun thing to do, Elizabeth, is that you and I should read this book yeah. and then come in and do a podcast together and share what we've learned. I, like take some notes from the book because yeah. I could read this book 10 more times. Oh, I yeah. love it. It's so good. And then say, okay, you know what? I just read this book again, Elizabeth. Here, here's three things that I took away from yeah. it. What are your three things? And I bet we can, we, we can share I, some Pretty good stuff. Loved this book so much. And the reason I read it is because I, I'm a longtime podcast listener. Mm. And back in like maybe the mid 2000s, I actually downloaded a podcast that he was a guest on. Mm. And if you're not a book reader, which you know what, that's fine, mm. just search on YouTube for him. He does speaking engagements sure. and he gives such good advice. And at the beginning of his speaking engagements, he says, I'm going to leave you with 10 key things. And then at the end of it, you actually remember what those 10 yeah. key things are. That's like are. a PhD in social science as well or psychology. And he is, um, and it's Robert Cialdini is his yes. name. And, and we'll put everything, of course, in the <clears throat> show notes. Yep. But I Excellent really, book. really enjoyed that book. And actually, I have a friend who just got their MBA and he read that. Um, so if you're a business owner and you want to keep up with the MBAs, this is something they read. And I think they had a whole class about mm. it. Okay, so I have one more book that I'll leave you with here. Um, and this, again, it's another iconic book, but we've talked about business, business, business. One of my all-time favorite books is called Churchill, A Life. It's written by <laughs> Martin Gilbert. Okay, and let me just pause right there. Sure. I believe you have a dog named... Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Actually, that didn't even occur to me, which is really funny, but you're right. We've named our dog Churchill. Um, I, I, like, I'm a huge fan of Winston Churchill. We We're just saw The Darkest Hour. Of Gene's dog. Called Churchill. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you can see Churchill. In the show notes. Yeah, live and in person, but um, Churchill and Life is written by um, Martin Gil... Uh, excuse me, Simon Gilbert, and um, it is, again, it's a book that's 30, 40 years old. Gilbert wrote um, a series of books about Churchill during the 70s and 80s. 
identities um, that were encompassed not only from Churchill's files, but then a bunch of public records as well. And then Churchill Life is is the one volume that's sort of the best of the entire series. Mm-hmm. He also wrote a whole bunch of books on, on World War II. So he was a very well-known historian in England. First of all, very easy to read, very readable book, very, because I can't, it's not dry in any case. It's like a real, brings Churchill really to life. Um, and it just, it puts so much into perspective um, of the challenges that the guy like this face, um, you know, a guy that over his entire life um, was was failed and failed and failed. I mean, was in and out of British government, was scorned, was, you know, was you know, brought back. He was he was the, the guy in the winter when the Nazi Germany was growing and he was saying, you know, we need to be aware of this and nobody was listening to him. And then they they brought him in and then all the challenges that he had to face while leading his country through World War II. Um, it is it's not only inspirational, but it, it gives you a little bit of spark and energy as a business owner, because clearly, uh, you know, hopefully none of us face the kind of challenges that yeah. Churchill faced in his life. But frankly, it's all relative and we all have our challenges in life. Yeah. And it really does put things into perspective and it gives you a little bit of uh, inspiration saying that this guy is faced, stood down Nazi Germany in the, the yeah. darkest of days. I think I can stand down the supplier who's asking me to shave <laughs> two cents off a pound you know, you know, on that latest order. It just, it does put things into perspective. Watch out if you supply Gene with anything. <laughs> right. He just read Churchill. So Churchill, A Life, it's just, it's excellent. And uh, it's, it's Martin Gilbert is, uh, is the name of the author and um, I highly recommend it. Okay, great. We're going to mm. be right back after a word from our sponsor with Gene's Word of Brilliance. Are you looking for a great idea to start a new business? Well, Small Biz Ahead has 99 of them for you. Our new ebook, 99 New Small Business Ideas, is the first place you should look if you're interested in starting your business. You'll learn about everything from business service industries that could lead to lucrative freelance work, emerging industries such as solar panel installation and professional blogging, and even tech industries that could turn into the next big thing. Head on over to smallbizahead.com and click the link in the show notes to download your free copy today. This week's word of brilliance is called Spot. Spot is a free and new chat bot that I've become aware of. And Elizabeth, you can Google this and find I've written about this elsewhere, um, but there's also stuff about this. This is a it's a chat bot and a chat bot, everybody, is this. It's not an application per se, but it's basically a website that you go to that uses artificial intelligence that asks you questions and depending on your answers, interprets those answers and asks you other questions. So it's almost like talking to uh, a human. Like, it's automation, this right? It's like a customer service thing. So you type in like, I didn't receive my order. Yeah, right? but this is something much, much more important okay, to this. What this chat bot spot focuses on um, are issues of harassment and discrimination oh in the work place. Now, as a small business owner, a lot of us can't afford HR people or personnel directors or whatever. And obviously these issues are very much highly, you know, we're all very aware about these issues right now. And we need to make sure we're taking the right steps to protect ourselves and that our employees are not subject to this stuff. So the problem with any incidents of harassment and discrimination in a workplace is bias, right? It's she said, he said, he said, she said, it's, it's even the interpreter. If you take it to somebody, people interpret things in a different way. Um, was this incident truly harassment? Was it not? It's an issue. Spot aims to take that bias out of the equation because it's a chat bot. So what it does is, is that if one of your employees feels that he or she was subject of a potential discrimination or harassment or whatever, if you go to spot, 
and you ask it, you're quite, it'll, it'll lead you through some questions and then you give answers. It will then, it's not going to determine if harassment took place, but it will ask and respond to your questions and answers in such a way that they believe is as, as unbiased as they can make it oh, to collect the information that they need and put it into the form of a report that you can then print out and save and delete, obviously, if you don't want to keep a permanent record, which can be used uh, for human resources pur purposes and even for legal purposes as well, if there's anything, if it, wow. if it escalates to that point. So okay. it's a very interesting little application. And right now it's under, it's under development beta, oh, okay. but it is, uh, but it's free. And oh, it's if free. I was it just going to ask what the pricing structure So is. if you look it up, uh, and again, we should leave, well, well let's find yeah. a link for it online. You can leave where people can try it out. It's a nice unbiased way to gather the facts in case there's a potential incident of either harassment or discrimination. That's great. I just need that in my life in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody that's unbiased. <laughs> we used to talk about what TV shows and books we were reading at the top of the show. And yes. We stopped doing that because... People were like, you know what? Just we're busy. busy yeah, owners. yeah. Sure. Just get to the question. Sure. Get to the answer. So I wanted to ask if you're watching The Crown. Watched both seasons. Okay. It was fantastic. Amazing, right? Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I couldn't stand John Lithgow as Oh, no. Churchill. I didn't know that reaction. It was I great. I did not like his depiction of oh, it. Oh, wow. And I was really happy he wasn't in the second season. Right. No, I, 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 I disagree with you on that. I thought he did a really good job. And really? I was, yeah, yeah. Tough play that character. Yeah. Tough playing that character. But if, you, um, if you're listening to this and you want to get, you know, we, we try to tie this into small business or just running a business. Um, listen, uh, you know, you know the, the, the issues and the challenges that Queen Elizabeth has faced since she became queen in the 1950s um, are vast. And a lot of things that we really know about or appreciate the crown is not a soap opera it is a historical drama and it's excellent yeah it's really good excellent the, the perfect rainy or snowy after like weekend binge watch you learn a lot good. you yeah, learn a lot by watching do. it all right we'll be back in a couple days with our next episode which will be around about the difference between a startup and a small business yes thanks for tuning in Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.